of the Gospel of Luke, and we will be in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. And so what we will be in is a, a short uh, yet long mini-series on what is the worshiping church. As we start to make some transitions in our Sunday service, I'd love to take the opportunity to teach on them. And so for the next three weeks, what I'll be doing is today we're going to be starting with what is worship. Next Sunday will be what is the church. And then the following Sunday is singing a joyful noise. And then after that, the first Sunday of every month, we're going to look at a specific aspect or order of the worship service and make it intentional. And so, today, being in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, we get the task of setting the foundation. What is worship? And today's passage gives us a glimpse into what it means to be a true worshiper. We actually see Jesus tell us what it means to be a true worshiper and shows us how to be a true worshiper as he is sitting with the woman at the well. As Jesus is sitting there, he's drawing out her sin and, and he's actually drawing out what is satisfying her. And, and he asks her, oh, go get your husband. And Jesus, knowing that she doesn't have a husband, she says, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, I know you don't. You actually have five and the one you're with isn't the husband um, now. And so what this woman does to kind of diffuse the tension that's going on right now is she asks a deflection question. She asks a question about worship. She asks Jesus, who is worshiping right? The Samaritans or, or the Jews? And, and where should we worship? See, the Samaritans thought that they should worship on the mountain because Moses had built an altar there. But the Jews thought that they should worship in Jerusalem. The Samaritans thought that the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, was what they should follow. And anything outside of that was wrong. But the Jews thought that the whole Old Testament should be read and followed and trusted. And so that's why the Jews worshipped in Jerusalem. And so Jesus gently tells her she's, she's wrong. <laughs> you worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know. But Jesus doesn't actually stop there. He actually goes on to teach her when, where, and who is to be worshipped. And then he explains how we see in spirit and truth. And so we come to our passage today, verses 23 and 24, and it says this. But the hour is coming. 
and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. I'd like to pray one more time and then dive into this passage. Father, would you enlighten our hearts to your word? Would we take worship serious as I am preaching right now would I recognize and realize that I am worshiping you right now and that I would take this serious and that the people who are listening are worshiping you and they would take this serious father we want to be true worshipers So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's sermon is around really one main question. That is, what is worship? Have you actually ever taken the time to ask yourself, what is worship? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the, the I've got to wash my car so I can worship God that way, which, which it's true. You can worship God that way and you should worship God that way. But I'm talking about the very intentional details of what is worship. I mean, this is so crucial for the, question, for the Christian to ask this question of what is worship because... It is quite real and possible to be a child of God, to be a Christian, yet not be worshiping God. What we see throughout history is that when God is not being properly worshipped, people do not experience Him like they can and should. If I had the time and the reading capability to read through the whole Old Testament within this hour, we would see that with Israel time and time again. As Israel is worshiping God, they are experiencing God. And as they continue to chase after their own thoughts and feelings of who God is, they do not experience God like they can. We actually can see this throughout the history of the church as well. However, the passage before us this morning, Jesus lays out that because the hour is here, we can worship God in spirit and truth. Jesus actually tells us how we can worship him. However, before we get to the how, we must ask the, the questions when, where, and who. Because this sets up the how. As we get to this passage, we see in, in verse 23, Jesus tells this woman, but the hour is coming. Jesus tells this woman that the hour is coming, but not only is the hour coming, but Jesus then goes on to say, is now here. So Jesus is letting her in that, that now is the time to worship. 
right, right now. See, Jesus says that the hour is coming and what he doesn't mean by this is a segmented hour that you put on your shelf and then you take off. Or you, you show up to something for a time being and that's your time to worship God and then once you leave, you're done. No, Jesus is saying now. Now is the time to worship. See, this type of now is a 24 hours, seven days a week type of worship. This is the now that Jesus is talking about. And so the, the next part of my question, uh, where do we worship, may seem a bit obvious. Because if Jesus says now is the time to worship, then where we are to worship is where we presently are. Here. We are to worship right now, right here. Oh, far too often we say when I get to the church, then I worship. Or when the music starts playing, then I worship. Or when I get to my small group, that's when I worship. Or when I am discipling or praying or reading the Bible, that's when I worship. But what Jesus is telling us and this Samaritan woman that the time to worship is right now where you are presently. I mean, this is the whole question of the woman do we worship at the mountain or do we worship in Jerusalem? Where? And Jesus is saying, I don't care where. Right now is when you worship and right here is where you worship. So you worship on the Sunday morning, September 1st at 9.47 a.m. And when you're on your way home, in your car, guess what you are doing? Worshiping. And when you get home to eat lunch or when you go out to have lunch, guess what you are doing? Worshiping. And yes, that means when you are at home alone and, and you are on your phone or on the computer or whatever you're watching on TV, guess what you are doing? Worshiping. When you're in a conversation with your coworker, with your wife, with your children, you are worshiping. It does not matter where and it does not matter when because Jesus says now and here. You know, this should actually frighten us. <laughs> this should frighten us because who Jesus is calling us to worship. See, not only is Jesus saying now and here is when you worship, but he's actually calling us to worship somebody. And this should frighten us because who Jesus is calling us to worship is the creator of the universe. The great I am. The one who knows all things. Who is present in every situation. More specifically, the Father. Now, yes, I, I understand that we are called to worship Jesus because what Jesus has done for us, but, but I think we might want to 
listen to Jesus' words here when he tells us. When the true worshipers will worship the Father. And so why is it important that we worship God the Father? Because God the Father sent the Son. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing. Why did God the Father send the Son? Because the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. I mean, this is, this is the mission of, of Jesus, to seek true worshipers to worship the Father. The mission of Jesus isn't just to save people from hell. The, the mission of Jesus is to gather true worshipers to worship God. See, we sinned against a holy and God, a holy God. Our sin actually separates us from God. Because of that sin, we are deserving of just and righteous judgment and wrath. Not one of us can stand before God apart from Christ and lay out a list of rules saying, this is how well I've done, let me in. My ticket is punched. No, we are all sinful. But yet Jesus, the, the Father sent the Son, Jesus, to live a perfect life according to the law, keeping in step every single way that you and I could not keep. Dying an unjust death for our sins. Experiencing the wrath and judgment of God. But rising three days later. So that all who repent of their sins and trust in his saving work. Not only can have eternal life but can worship the Father. I mean, this is, this is incredible. That you and I were guilty, but there is a way, there's a way of reconciliation. See, this is, this is why we share the good news of the gospel. That not only can sinners be saved, but sinners can be invited to worship the holy, holy, holy God of the universe. <laughs> but before, before I continue on, I, I, I've just got to confess I need, I've got to confess with you guys that this is something that every single day that I struggle with, properly worshiping God like he should be. I mean, daily, I mean, guys, daily I'm caught up with pointless trinkets to worship. 
When the God of of this universe is calling me to worship him, far too often I amuse myself with subpar experiences that never ever leave me satisfied when Jesus invites me and promises me satisfaction for eternity. Like I was thinking about this this morning as I'm reading or or at least having the word of God right next to me and, and I'm praying and I'm thinking, how... I mean, I sit on my sectional with the Word of God, the the Word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword, and and yet I am completely okay and fine with spending hours on my phone playing Pokemon Go because I really need to catch Bulbasaur. I'm okay with watching hours upon hours of Boy Meets World on Hulu and Netflix. And yet God is calling me and inviting me in to worship him. The God who is so holy that when Moses asked to see his face, he said, if you see my face, Moses, you'll blow up. And so this is, the, the question that we need to ask, and this is the first part of what worship is. And I would be a fool not to ask us this. Who do you worship? Where do you worship? And, and when do you worship? Is it your money? Is it your kids or grandkids? Is it your spouse? Football season is coming up. Is it the Packers? Is it your vacations? Where do you worship? Do you take your work with you wherever you go? Do you constantly need those things to impress people? When do you worship? And you know the... the, the best question to maybe ask yourself to find out who you worship and where you worship is this question, when do you worship? And the best way to know when you worship is to ask yourself, what consumes my conversations with my family and friends? What consumes my thoughts? I mean, we have been pulled. Our, our Our dead souls, our dead and dry bones have been given new life. And we have what David sees, seen and tasted the glory of God. So what is holding you back from truly worshiping him? See, this is the the first part. And unfortunately... Most people only get this far when they ask the question, what is worship? Because it's easy to ask the the when, where, and who. So uh, it's an obvious answer, Max, that who I worship is is God. And where I worship Him is on Sundays with my my church family, uh, throughout the week, when I meet up during different activities or events. and, and, And so it's easy to ask those questions 
But the harder question to ask that too many people leave out is the how are we to worship? Because most people think that however I feel like worshiping God is the proper answer to how I worship God. But fortunately for us, Jesus doesn't leave us clueless here as he tells us. We are to worship in spirit and truth. He has made this abundantly clear within these two verses. As he's said, worshiping in spirit and truth. Let me just read the passage for us again. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must, I love that word, must worship him in spirit and truth. And so if we take a look at, at first the, the spirit, how, how do we worship God in spirit? See, most people approach this and they automatically assume it's the Holy Spirit. However, Jesus' intent here isn't the Holy Spirit. Love to read quickly what R.C. Sproul in his commentary on this passage has to say. He says, This matter of worshiping the Father in spirit and truth is often misunderstood. What did Jesus mean by this? He was not saying people are supposed to be Holy Spirit devotees and to worship God according to the Holy Spirit. We are supposed to do that. But that was not Jesus' intent here. Rather, and don't miss this, please, he was calling us in the first instance to see that the worship we offer comes from the depths of our souls, from our inner spirits, from the very core of our being. I mean, if we were to look at Luke chapter 1 verses 47 or 46 and 47 we see what it looks like when somebody is worshiping God from the depths of their souls as Mary cries out and sings my soul my soul it magnifies the Lord we can then maybe go a bit further and see what it looks like when Zechariah out of the depths of his soul is worshiping God. However, Jesus just does not stop there. See, before I, I move on, I just want to make this quick note that far too often we are afraid, or at least it, it seems like we are afraid to worship God with any type of emotion and affection lest we be driven by that. And let me just kind of give you a spoiler alert. Jesus isn't stupid. <laughs> and that's why he tells us that we also need to worship in truth. But it is okay to worship God with your affections and your emotions. And I understand that we're in the Midwest. <laughs> and that people from the Midwest don't really do a good job of expressing that. But God has called you to worship him with your affections and your emotions, and your heart, and your soul, and your spirit. But that's not all. We are not to worship Him only 
through the depths of our hearts. But we are to also worship him in truth. This is what it looks like to be a true worshiper. Worshiping him in spirit and in truth. See, what usually happens when we just worship him in spirit is then we worship him according to how we feel. But Jesus tells us to worship God in truth. And so if I can plainly just put it like this, what it means to worship God in truth means to worship God by how God tells us to worship him. I mean, think about it. Right? Should, shouldn't the creator of the universe, the one who knows all things, shouldn't he maybe get a say on how he wants to be worshipped? I mean, he's not the one that sinned against us, causing separation from us. We sinned against him and caused separation against him. And he's shown us what it looks like to worship in truth. He's given us his, his word. He's given us 66 books to read and to know his truth. And so this is the beautiful thing about truth. Is God is true and he cannot lie. And what he has written down has no error. It is beneficial for us. Edifying for us. It rebukes and corrects us. And so we must turn to his truth to worship. And while we turn to his truth, while we worship, we need to be longing that we experience and worship God by spirit as well. With deep affections. But this is where we need to be careful. This is where we need to be careful because far too often we either like to go towards the spirit or we like to go towards the truth, right? But Jesus is telling us we need to do both, spirit and truth. But sometimes it's easier to, to maybe go towards the spirit side of things where all that happens is we're only driven by our emotions, and so what we've actually seen happen throughout the church as we've only leaned towards the emotional sides of things is that preachers start to preach warm and fuzzy sermons because it needs to be morally edifying just in case if you offend somebody. Songs stop being very... Um, Songs stop being very intentional with how they're sung, but instead they're vague. So you could be singing about Allah, you could be singing about Jesus, or Jesus could possibly be your boyfriend. And what songs do when we lean more towards the emotional side is they hit the emotions and tend to manipulate them. This becomes a ministry of felt needs. Do you know what the very first worship service that was solely towards the worshipers' felt needs looked like? It's back in Exodus. 
when Moses is up on the mountain and Israel creates the golden calf. See, they thought they were worshiping God according to how he wanted them to worship him, but yet they didn't take time to know how God truly wanted to be worshiped. And what we know from that passage, that's not worship, that's actually idolatry. So what ends up happening is we end up idolizing our emotions and our affections instead of looking to truth to stir that. However, on, on the other hand, what ends up happening when we go maybe too far towards the truth end is I look at God's word and I end up reading it like an academic textbook. I end up becoming a theological nerd that sits from my ivory tower and just judges everyone else. And not only that, now I I know how to pray and the words to say. I I know the songs on the screen and and I know when to, to say amen or raise my hands, but nothing ever is actually being stirred in my heart. And what that's called is dead religion and not authentic faith. Jesus calls us to be true worshipers by worshiping in spirit and truth. And when we get caught up on one side or the other, we will not experience God like we can. And so maybe you're over here and you lean a little more towards the truth side of things. You know, it's, that's okay. This is probably where maybe, believe it or not, I land. It's okay to go to God and ask Him to stir your affections for Him. If you could only know how many times I have prayed within the, the past four years of my life, God, protect me from keeping this dry and boring from me. I don't want to look at your word as dry and boring. It's not supposed to be like that. When I sing, I'm not supposed to sing just words. I'm supposed to be moved and and affected. Move my affections for you. That's what it's like to treasure Jesus. But maybe you're on the side where You're more emotionally driven and and you're more spirit driven when it comes to worship. That's all right too. There have been plenty of times in my life where I've had to go before God and repent and ask for forgiveness for doing things according to my emotions and not according to His truth. Right? I have been guilty on multiple occasions to say, I feel like God is telling me to do this. Well, okay, Max, how does the word of God lead you? And so it's okay to go before God and repent and ask. God, right now, I'm, I'm being swayed more by my emotions than your truth. And you know what? I may not like what your word says in this area, but I'm going to trust you. So would you reveal this to me and stir my affections for you in a true way? In a more holistic way? 
And so I'd like to conclude like this. What is worship? Worship is when we glorify God according to his word. Worship is glorifying God according to his word by treasuring Jesus with our whole being. That's what worshiping in spirit and truth looks like. It's knowing God by his word. And trusting that what he has said is far better for us than we can imagine. It's trusting that what God has said is beneficial for us. It's, it's looking to God's word over trusting our feelings about something. It's, it's reading and praying to understand God's word better. But it's not just that. It's so much more. It's prizing. It's valuing. It's treasuring Jesus with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's being deeply moved in our souls to worship God more right now, whenever and wherever we are. It's not being ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so... As we move forward, will you join me? Will you join me in being a more, a better, a truer worshiper of God by worshiping Him in spirit and truth? It is a daily fight. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. This is why there's the body of Christ. So will you join me? Let's pray. Father, I, I come before you and I, I want to ask for forgiveness. God, forgive me when I do not worship you as you have asked me to worship you. When I approach you assuming that I know better. Father, I desperately want, and I desperately want this church to experience you like you have called us to. To be true worshipers by worshiping you in spirit and truth. And so please protect us from the idols of this world that catch our attention far too easily than it should. Protect us from our emotions thinking that we know better than you. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for our sins. We thank you for sending the Spirit to convict us and rebuke us and lead us back to you. Use us here this morning and throughout the week to be true worshipers and to see other people become true worshipers. Please, Father, we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.